Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And speaking to us from Ireland today, we have Lorna Byrne. Lorna is an international number one best-selling author with more than a million readers around the world. Her books, Angels in My Hair, Stairways to Heaven, A Message of Hope from the Angels, and Love from Heaven have been translated into 30 languages. She has been featured extensively in worldwide television, radio, and print media, including CNN, NBC Today, BBC, and many, many others. Lorna's work has included many sold-out worldwide events. But without further ado, it's now time to find out about angels. Lorna Byrne, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Hi, Sandra. I'm delighted now to be talking with you, and I'm looking forward to all the wonderful questions you're going to ask. Oh, thanks so much. I have a big smile on my face, like a little girl at Christmas with a bunch of presents ready to be opened. Uh, That's the feeling I have right now, just a lot of joy. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, I imagine... Uh, well, I don't imagine, um, but as a child, um, could you tell us a little bit about your childhood and if seeing angels was something that came natural or came later on? Um, it, it was something I, I would say came natural. Um, I always would say, and especially in Angels in My Hair, I have, I've already said that, you know, from the moment I opened my eyes, I saw angels, even though I didn't know they were angels because I was only an infant. Hmm. and you know, I see angels physically every day of my life. Um, I know if I was in the same room with you now, I would see your guardian angel as physically as I would see see yourself. And it was when I was about um, two and a half years of age when I was sitting in front of the fire with my little brother and we were playing with blocks that my dad had made. And it was like as if the only way I can describe it, his hand went into mine or mine went into his and it just sparkled. And I just felt such love. And you have to remember, I was only an infant, only about two, two and a half years of age. Was your brother alive in this world? Or no, and I, oh. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that, you know. That, that's why I'm saying you have to remember I was only this this age. And it was at that that time that the angels said to me, you know, my brother was a soul that he had died before I was born, and they were angels, but I must keep it a secret. Wow. And I, I suppose, you know, being a, a child, they were constantly reminding me to keep it a secret. So I actually never told anyone. And one of the lovely things was that, you know, when I did write Angels in My Hair eventually, um, I read that chapter with, with the help of, of of a friend to my mom. And um, she was just so moved by it. Um, because sometimes I would see my brother as an infant in, in her arms when she was asleep in the chair in front of the fire. Mm-hmm. And I was only two or two and a half, so it, it didn't occur to me, you know, how come my my brother could change age, you know. Right. You know, you're, you... I, I never questioned the angels or, or anything they they said. You know, they have been my best friends, my companions and my teachers. And I'm what what you call dyslexic. I know, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it yes, properly. Yes, dyslexic, yes. And um, so therefore I had learning difficulties um, for learning the normal things of, of life, like reading and writing and going left and right and, and all of those kind of things. And when a child had any learning difficulties at all in Ireland at that time, you have to remember it's way, way back, um, they were just branded, retarded. And it was as I grew older, as I got older, I realized why the angels had said, I must keep it a secret. Because if I didn't do what they said, I wouldn't be here today talking to you. I would have ended up in one of those institutions in Ireland. So... I'm just so glad that my guardian angel and the other angels that were always around me kept on reminding me, you know, 
you must keep it a secret. You mustn't say say anything. When your mother heard that chapter in your book, was that the first time she had known that your younger brother yes. or your brother was with you? Yes, that that was the first time. And she explained to me that she always felt his presence around her at certain times. But she said to me, you know, with tears in her eyes, that in Ireland way back then, when a mother lost a child, you weren't really allowed to talk about it. You know, it was kind of, they were told, she said, to get on, get on with life. You you know, you will have more children. And I suppose that was the usual thing maybe said all, all around the world. So she said she never really got a chance to just grieve. She always had to do it secretly. Wow. And I, I think that's a very sad thing because I know... Lots of mothers and fathers must have done the same thing, you know, back at that time. It's only as the world is changing, everyone, you're allowed now to grieve and you're allowed to grieve, you know, openly. And I think that's so important. But I think it's important to remember that your loved one is still alive because just like my little brother, you know, who was only his, his body that died, you know, he had a soul, which I call that speck of light of God, that spark that fills every part of the human body. And I suppose that's one of the great messages that was in Angels in, in My Hair. And I would always give more information as I would write more books. And that way I give another little bit because I notice people find it hard to cope if you give them too much in, in one go. So... I suppose with every book I write, I'm just giving a little bit more so you can grasp what is being said and, and, and the knowledge that you're being given for yourself. Mm. Do you, you must have a helper writing your book, uh, being dyslexic. Um, yeah, that, that, that was the most incredible story. Um, the, the angels all my life always said, you know, I have to keep it a secret. But one other thing um, they would say, and that was... And they still, you know, do the same thing today with me. But but on other things was that, you know, one day, Lorna, you you will write about God and us. And, you know, as a child, when they used to say that, I used to kind of laugh. And in, in a sense, like a child, think they were only playing, joking right. that way. But, you know, as I became a teenager and they said the same thing, like, I used to kind of say, no way. That can never happen. I can't read or write. I'm considered, you know, mentally retarded. And I know that word is not allowed to be used anymore. But that was the word Mm -hmm. that was used at that time. And it was when I was actually um, married to my husband, Joe. Um, And again, that's another lovely story. But I know I won't be able to tell you all the stories today. But they're all in Angels in My Hair and and the other books. And it was when the angel Michael came up behind me. And, and it is actually the Archangel Michael. Because, um, just for your listeners, I'll just, just say that. Um, and he came up and, you know, kind of teased me. And I was feeling um, my young daughter. Um, she was a baby and she was asleep in her pram. And I remember that day was cold and breezy and... I was a young mother, you know, having so much to do as, as you do with, with, with babies and, and young children. And I remember just stopping, wheeling the pram and turning around and, and there was, was Angel Michael. And, you know, he just said to me, Lorna, it's getting near time for you to write. You know, this is the message he was bringing. And, I remember, you know, holding on to the, you know, the handlebars of the the pram and and just kind of getting annoyed with him. You know, does God not know I have enough to do? You mm-hmm. know, in that in that way, and I just said to him, I can't read or write. How on earth does God expect me to even write one book? Like I thought it was just totally crazy and would never happen. And he just he just said, Lorna. Um, 
God has just said it's getting near time for for you to write. And I, I remember walking home and it be on, on my mind. And I knew one day I would have to say yes. But I didn't say yes then. I, I knew I couldn't keep on saying no all of the time, mm-hmm. you know, or, or in a sense not not answering in that in that way. And it was many years after my husband, Joe, had died um, that I actually said yes. And, and the moment I said yes, those blessings just happened. Um, one was someone I had just met and they knew I couldn't read or write. You know, um, I just said, I'm going to write. I never said another word. Mm-hmm. That was all I said. <laughs> I'm going to write. And one day I I came home and a knock came to the door. I was after being down at the school and um, this person um, just walks in with two boxes, puts them on the table, has a quick chat, cup of tea, you know, just the usual and, and left. And I remember when I opened the boxes, there was a laptop, um, which I didn't know how to use. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even a printer and a little box in among all of that to do with the Dragonette. Oh, yes. That's what I use today. So you speak it and it turns it into the written word. I speak, yeah. That's great. Into the computer and it prints out. Now it doesn't always work perfectly. So I'm always giving out to God and the angels over, you know, when do you think they can improve technology? Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and print out the exact words I have said. <laughs> Funny. You know, because my voice um, would would change. So sometimes it has a problem with that. But my daughter, Megan, then she would get all the printed out stuff. I would send it to her and then she would edit it for me or she'd come back and say, Mom, you're after writing a whole load. I know it's all backwards. You know, how do you talk backwards into the into the computer? And I would say, well, maybe I was tired or I, I don't know how I did it. I give out, out to the angels sometimes over that. Oh, that's funny. And what a wonderful soul that brought you the laptop and the printer and the, the software. That's really wonderful. I would like to ask you about your husband, Joe, because... Believing in angels and knowing their existence um, and then losing him, his body from this earth. I mean, there's grief involved. Did it help? How do I even say this? Because you've always yeah. believed in angels, so it can't be like, oh, how, how did you feel then? Is it different kind of grief? But what was your experience like um, knowing no, that? I, I, I don't think it's a different kind of grief at all I, I suppose I, I should tell you you know when I was the age of 10 and again the story is in angels in my hair but I'll skip most of it okay but it was a time I was fishing with my dad and the angels said to go up along the river there was another angel I was to meet and just asking my dad was it okay and and, and skipping on up along the river and getting to a point and the angels saying stop and I was to look across the river, you know, and there appeared this fantastic angel, Angel Elijah. And I could never pronounce his, a- his name. It's only in the last few years I'm actually been able to do mm-hmm. it. Um, he just, he walked across the river. And you have to remember, I was only 10 years of age. Wow. So that really fascinated me about sure. More than any other angel ever until that, until I was that age, you know, him just walking across, across the river. And when he walked onto the bank, the first thing I said to him, can I not do that? Because I wanted to do that. Of that, course. To me, that was, was incredible. And he sat down with me and um, he told me he was going to show me something and then the only way I can describe it like a big screen like silk like um, crystal appeared across the water just so clear and he told me to look at it and as I did he spoke and a young man appeared walking up a road with trees on on each side of of the road 
And he told me that this would be the young man I would marry and fall in love with. Wow. And I was only 10. I remember giggling. <laughs> right. You know, um, what's he talking about? Fall in love with, you know. Um, I just thought it was so funny. And he just said, you know, we would have children, ups and downs. But the part I didn't like that he told me was that this young man, we wouldn't grow old together. Mm-hmm. He would become sick and he would die. God would take him home to, to heaven. And I remember being very annoyed with Angel Elijah. I, I, I even said, well, why did you have to tell me that? You know, what was the need to mm-hmm. tell me that? And he just said, because God said you needed to know. And he put it to the back of my mind. He put his hand at the back of my head. And in a sense, he put it to the back of my mind. But I was always very conscious of it. And, you know, I did fall in love with Joe. And we met and and we had children. And we had all those ups and downs. And we were extremely poor. And it was hard because I could never tell him. I know we're not going to grow old together because you can't do that to someone, you know, because he needed to live his life and enjoy it as much, well, as much as he possibly could. Right. Because he was, he was very sick um, for such a long part of, of his life. And, but for me, it didn't make it any easier just because I knew it didn't make it any easier, you know, as the days got shorter when I knew he would be soon going, mm-hmm. he'd be leaving us. Um, and that that particular day was very hard on my children. It was the day after my birthday and my daughter's birthday. And I always remember that day because Joe had said, even though he was in bed, you know, to myself and Ruth, I want you to go off into Dublin, you know, and have a nice time, you know, buy a present. He wanted me to buy a ring and seemingly he had been saving this money and I didn't know a friend had been giving him a few bob every time he came to see him. And I was just so nervous and so worried because I knew his time was so close and mm-hmm. I was praying to God, don't let him go now, let us get home. And of course, we did get home. I, I know I'm skipping loads of it's okay. the story. And the next day he died, the next morning, but my children did get a chance unknowing to themselves to say goodbye to their dad. It's just the way God had worked it all out. My my daughter Ruth was going away for a weekend with her her boyfriend's family um for a holiday. They were it was just down the country, you know, um, a house they had rented or something his his family had rented and you know, she said goodbye to her dad. She was saying to her dad, you know, do you think it's really all right for me to go? You'll be okay. And and he wanted her to go. It's your birthday. Off you go. Like, um, And she even said herself she felt so apprehensive about going. Um, and again, then, you know, Owen and Christopher, you know, coming in and, and spending time with their dad sitting at, at the fire. And then that evening, you know, the angel saying to me, Lorna, it is really, really very close now. And and he looked great. Like, um, he died early hours of the morning, I think maybe around seven or, or whatever time it was. And But he died peacefully. And, and just seeing all the angels in the room and seeing his soul leaving, Wow, you know, was was incredible, and I think that's what everyone who has to remember: your loved one. It's only their body that has died. Our loved ones give us they give us signs all of the time, you know. And it, sometimes when someone is grieving so hard, they don't recognize the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I would say to say to you, don't give up in that way, because as you go through your grief, as it gets, in one sense, maybe a little bit easier, you will start to recognize the signs, you know, um, but to know that you will meet your loved one again, but only when it's when it's your time. Yeah. Have you seen Joe like you'd seen your brother? His soul? Yeah, I I have. And I have written about my youngest daughter, Megan, making her confirmation and the soul of her dad walking up to the the altar with her. Oh. And I think that's in Stairways to Heaven. I forget what's in each book, if you know what I mean. I, I haven't been able to keep up. That's OK. With what, what I put in. Um, and that alone has been a great comfort to to everybody that has lost a loved one or, or even a mother and father who have lost a child. You know, I would often sometimes, you know, a family might get in contact with me somewhere, some way and ask, you know, could they bring their, their sick child to me? And, you know, sometimes God would tell me this child is going to get better and I'd bless them and pray over them. But sometimes I'm told no. And of course, I would never say that to the parents. I would just give them as much encouragement as, as possible and, and you know, to enjoy their child while their child is still here physically, you know, in the flesh and blood. Yes. But I always remember one little boy, you know, he would insist on his mom and dad bringing him to visit me. You know, um, I don't know many times I had seen him, but the last couple of times he was in Nona. Mom and Dad is not listening to me. I've been trying to tell them I'd be going home soon. Um, and sometimes I suppose when he would say that, he might be in hospital and they would think it was home to the house. Yes. But the little boy didn't mean that. He meant home to heaven. You know, and, and he would say, and I see my guardian angel now. You know, and he would describe his guardian angel and I always remember one time he just said, will you please tell Daddy and Mommy, you know, that I'm going home to heaven because they're not listening to me. And it was really hard. So the only way I could do it was the most gentlest way. And, and that was that it is time now to spend every every moment with your son. Mm -hmm. You know, don't miss a moment you know, just spend it with, with with your son. And of course, he went home to heaven a week later. But I remember getting a letter from the parents and they, they just said, thank you for telling us to spend every moment with our son. That was the most precious time. Absolutely. You know? But we do find it hard. It's the one thing that tears us apart is losing a loved one. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, you know, people, you know, I, I met a woman just here in Ireland and her husband was was killed tragically. And, you know, she said to me, Lorna, I don't believe in God anymore. How could there be a God? You know, and he took my my husband, you know, he took my husband and why didn't he leave him here with me? But I, I think we have to remember, you know, God takes us all home to heaven in so many different ways. And I know her husband was a car crash, um, but he's he's right there with her as well. And, and she will see him, him, him again. But it can be the grief and the pain that makes us angry and makes us, in a, in a sense, disbelieve that God is real or, or a guardian angel is real. But the most wonderful thing is that God fell in love with us and, you know, gave us a soul. And that's why your loved one, you will see a loved one again. You know, God has given us this wonderful soul that is pure love. And mm. to me, that is, that is an incredible thing. I always say to people, I know I have love from heaven coming out in, in America in February, and I always say to people, you know, you are pure love because of your soul. You know, and 
the more you learn to love yourself, the more that you can, you know, love the stranger or love, or love your loved one, you know, or, or love your husband more or your children more. You can't love anyone any more than you love yourself. That's a hard thing I've found, and many people do too. It's so I think it's easy to love my mom or people in my life. Um, any advice on loving ourselves? I think the first the first thing you you have to remember is that you have this soul, and you have this, and because you have your soul, you have this beautiful guardian angel that is the gatekeeper of your soul, and to remember that, you know, your soul is is that spark, that speck of light of God. And Mm. even though it's so, so tiny, it fills every part of you. And it's pure. And you are pure love. That's what you have to remember. And you can't dilute it or get rid of it. You can't give too much of it away. And yet it's the one thing as well that we're afraid of is if I love someone, or love them too much, I'm going to get hurt. And I suppose that, again, maybe has to do with, you know, part of that we know humanly we're going to die, our human body is. But remember, your soul isn't. So you can love, and it's okay to love. And sometimes love does hurt. And again, when we lose a loved one, that love really, really hurts because we have lost them. And we realize how much at that moment we did love them. And we realize how much, you know, they loved us. And you know the way we often say in grief, well, I never got a chance to say goodbye. I never said all of these wonderful things I should have said. So we have to say to ourselves, I am pure love and it's okay. And it's okay to say those things. You should tell your loved one you love them every day. You should say all those nice and good things every day. You know, sometimes a parent would say to me, you know, their teenager, especially their teenager, um, is giving them such a hard time. It's their teenager that's screaming at them and saying they hate them. It's their teenager that's doing all of the wrong things. But who else can the teenager, who else can your child say all those things to and scream at and say, I don't love you, but only the one they do love. Oh, And it's true. for parents to recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, and say to their teen- teenager, no matter what you do, I still love you. I just thought you of know? something, Lorna. If we could each for a moment just pretend that we're looking at ourselves through the eyes of our guardian angel. All I can think would be there would be love. Exactly. And and that is very important to remember because your guardian angel loves you unconditionally um, and is there every second of your life. Never, never leaves you at all. And to your guardian angel, you know, you're its number one. No no other human being in the world, and it only has eyes for you. But if we all recognized, you know, that we have a soul, you know, that, that pure love, um, to be, what would you say, no wars, no hatred, the world would be such a different place. Absolutely. Such a positive place and full of, full of hope. And, and that is... You know, that's what life is about, because I know that's what you wanted to talk about as well. Life is about living life. It's it's about loving, enjoying, and, and being happy, even in the most difficult times of our life, to recognize, you know, I am alive. I, I can breathe. I can see all the blessings that you have. I remember saying to some people, you know, how many blessings do you think you have in your life? And, you know, well, they named out actually the, what would you say, the material blessings. But they're not the important blessings. The most important blessings is that you have life, that you are alive, that you have a soul and a guardian angel 
that you can see, that you can hear, that you can listen, that you can walk, you know, that you can do so many things in that way because when any of them are taken away from you, and that often happens in people's lives, they could lose their sight or partly sight, mm-hmm. um, they could lose their hearing, you know, they could lose the ability to walk, the ability to feel touch, um, even emotions in, in that way. Um, everybody would give any material thing they possibly could for that blessing to come back. Yes. In that way. And again, it is, you know, a mother says, I would give anything for God if, if, if God allows my child to live. So you're looking for the blessing of, of life. Um, there's so many stories I could tell you, so I suppose I better let you ask. <laughs> That's why you have four <laughs> books. Um, one of the nicest things, though, is to know that each and every one of us has a guardian angel. Is that what you're saying? There's not anyone who yes. doesn't. We all have a special being that was greeted us when we first took our first breath, and I'm guessing will they guide us to heaven when we take our last breath? Yeah, they will take you right home. And I, I don't know what book I have written it in now, but I have written about the guardian angel, you know, you as a soul meeting your guardian angel in heaven before you were even conceived. Wow. Standing in among that sea of souls and and your guardian angel walking through the sea of souls, looking for you and finding you. And I know I'm skipping loads. Oh, I love it. It's it's good. Stairways to heaven. It's okay. Sure. I'm visualizing Um, it though and loving it. And and then going on a journey, walking from there to to where God is, and standing in front of God, and and God showing the soul all the good and bad things of the life, you know, and the guardian angel being told to make sure that it brings back home to heaven this wonderful soul being the gatekeeper. But again, the guardian angel or no angel, or even God doesn't overstep that human thing that we have, the free will. Mm -hmm. And I know everyone says, well, why doesn't God take away free will? But I think it is part of the human part of us and I think it's important for us to have it. Um, and when you are conceived, your guardian angel is right there with you, even in the womb. I always remember, I know I don't know what book now I have the story in, but <laughs> it's about my own daughter um, being pregnant and and seeing the light of her guardian angel around the very beginning of her pregnancy. You know, the soul had already come, and the guardian angel was with it, and I couldn't tell my daughter she was pregnant. Wow. <laughs> I had to wait for her to find out for herself, you know. Um, and your guardian angel can never be anyone else's guardian angel. Um, is... I have written so so much, and, and it doesn't matter whether a person is good or bad, and I know people get annoyed with that, mm-hmm. but every single human being has a guardian angel. And again... It doesn't matter what faith they are, what religion they are, or even if they say they don't belong to any, Mm -hmm. um, they all have a guardian angel. That is so special to know that we have a a partner. It's so, I'm not the only one who very much feels alone sometimes, but to really get that we're never alone. Yeah, no, every single um, human being has a guardian angel. And to me, that is one of the wonderful gifts. I'm so glad God fell in love with us. I don't know why he did. (laughs) You know, when you look at the world today, how on earth, what did he see in us? But I think it is incredible that he's given us, you know, a soul, that speck of light of himself Mm -hmm. and a guardian angel that can never leave us even for one second. Can we have a relationship with our guardian angel? Do they listen to us? Can they give advice or help us out? Or how do we have a relationship? I I suppose maybe I should should say to you that um, 
on the 23rd of February. I'm going to be in the Open Center in New York. I'm just giving a talk. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be questions and answers. And then I will bless everyone afterwards. But in Boston on the 25th, 25th of, of February, February 2017. Be, yes. 2017. I'll be with Mike Dooley and I'm doing a workshop there. And I have to say, I don't, my workshops don't go, what would you say? Um, you can't set it out in one way. You can put a setting there, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's going to go that way. Right. But I done a workshop in, in Dublin back there. One of the first ones I did and no, it was in England. Sorry. Um, it was in England and, um, the angels changed it completely and <laughs> they got me to give everyone an exercise, a particular type of exercise. And I'd done it the exact way. It took me too long to go into it and the way they said. And the most incredible thing was everybody heard the answers. And I have to say answers to the three things that they got from their guardian angel, except one person, one lady And she said, I know why I didn't, because I didn't do exactly as you said, Lorna. I was letting all the other thoughts of the world come in. So you never, you never know what is going to happen. Yeah, but that speaks volume for being able to quiet our mind so that we actually can listen. It does, it does. And I always find when people are, what would, I don't want to say in my presence, but because I was there and doing it with them, that usually everyone can do it, oh. you know, but that one lady. And and it was lovely that she stood up and admitted and I, loads of other things happened with, with what we what we did. Um, so I, I'm looking forward because um, it's been, I think, three years or four years since I have done any talks in, in America. So I'm looking forward to going oh. to New York and Boston. Yeah, and for our listener, so it's if, been a long time. Let me just tell you, if you are somebody able to go to one of the workshops, if you go to my website, we don't radio.com and click on episode 130, that's Lorna's episode, and I have the links to the events February 23rd and 25th in New York and Boston, if you'd like to attend, and also a link to your website with um, the other places you'll be in the world uh, so that people can follow you and maybe get to see you speak live. Uh, very exciting. Very exciting. Can I would like to ask you though, what I'm sure uh, this might be hard to describe, but what would an angel look like to you or to us? I mean, I, I, I grew up Catholic and I think of the winged beings, beautiful. Um, but is that what you see? Um, the, they're extremely beautiful, and I I wouldn't, I always say to people, I would not be able to describe an angel only for they give a human appearance within themselves, and mm-hmm. that's the only way I can say okay. it. Um, sometimes an angel will show, will show wings, but really very seldom. Um, it's just like the Archangel Michael, you know, he seldom so, shows wings. He only showed wings on on one particular occasion, and that was when, you know, he gave me the prayer that God had given him. Um, I'm always, I always feel privileged if an angel or even a guardian angel shows wings. Um, but when I think about it, it's not as often maybe as everyone would think. Hmm. But I do believe every angel has wings. And at this special time of the year, Christmas time, you know, the gates of heaven are just opened a little bit more. God opens them. Nice. And there are streams of angels from before November, the beginning of November, just coming to the earth, coming to our world, carrying beautiful balls of light, full of the spirit of Christmas, full of hope and belief, full of happiness and joy. And I see them dropping them on every home. And I have seen this since I was a child. Um, dropping them on, on every home, whether it's a house or an apartment or a car or a shoebox shoe or a tent. Wherever people are living, no matter what, they drop these balls of light. And if all the family are not there, they'll come back again. So, and... 
the only way I can describe it, it's like when they drop the ball of light, it just explodes and it seems to light up the home. And I would say every nook and cranny, but it touches everybody within that home. And children are full of the spirit of Christmas at this time of the year. Yes. I, I think we have to remember that no matter what faith you are, and even of none, most people in the world, and I would say it would be very high, like nearly 99%, know of the child that was born 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that child gave us all hope. But that child was pure love, vulnerable, you know, needed protection and love. And again, it's, it's reminding us that that's what the children of today need as well. I wanted to ask you, because I saw on your website you have a children's foundation. What is that? Yeah, I have a children's foundation. Um, the laws are very strict here in Ireland. Um, so we're still in negotiations, but the, the charity has been up and running. And um, I'm helping children. I get lots of requests in to help children um, from other charities, but sometimes from individuals. Um, we help um, Blue Box here in Ireland. It's children that have been traumatized. Mm. Um, we help children in Africa as well. And we're helping UNICEF as well with the children on the first, I think they call it the first grade or, or number one. And um, because I remember the man saying to us, if they don't survive the first set, um, there's no point having, you know, two, three, four, or five in in that in that way. So we we have to help at home, and that's very important. But we can't forget about the children that are outside because it's no child's fault that they are in need of help, or you know, or they're hungry or they're traumatized mm-hmm. in any way. I had a priest ring me. Last week, I'd done a, a Christmas party to raise money um, for the charity, and a priest rang me and said, Lorna, you know, my parish here, because the parish is kind of alienated, it's, it's known as, you know, a place where you don't go, it's all bad, that's the way people look on it, but the children are innocent. Yes. And he just said, these children have nothing. I, you know, how am I going to manage Santa Claus for them and, you know, any nice little goodies for them because they get so little. Um, but I have to be say, say I, I put the call out and I got a load of toys. Nice. Um, um, selection boxes. So actually the priest is downstairs to take them back to Limerick. Nice. Here in the house at the moment. Oh, that's great. That's great. So he, he was he was overjoyed when he saw all of all of the things. It's to give a it's you know, we have to remember children are innocent. Yes. And we have to reach out and help and and when you lose a loved one, even though you're shattered and hurt, your loved one would love you to help as well. So we're always looking for donations. And on my website, um, there's there's a section that, you know, says if you can donate. I just say even if it's only, I know you're, you're America, one dollar or or 50 cents, we, we don't care because it all adds up. And I always say to someone, you never know whose child, who's, you know, which child you have saved. Oh, it's so true. And your website is lornaburn.com. Yeah, that's it. And that's yeah. there's also a link to that on my website, we don't die radio.com, episode oh, 130. You. You're welcome. And with every child, um I know gosh, you hear so many stories when somebody believes in them and makes a difference. It can open up a whole new world and you just never know uh, who's the next Mother Teresa or Gandhi no, or whomever? You, you, you don't know, like, and, and that's, yes. that's what we have to remember. The child you saved today could be the next. Yeah, and it may be who finds a cure for something, sure. or the greatest surgeon or the greatest leader. You know, for peace, mm-hmm. you, you just you just don't know. So it's 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 really very mm-hmm. very important. And so, there's so many children around the world even in each of our communities, that if you can yeah. take a moment and find a way to make a difference, it, 
is important. Well, please, God, I'll be able to do some work with the charity in America as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. But we Lor- need lots of help in order to do that. <laughs> Lorna, I don't want to forget to ask you about the power of prayer. You hear about it, but yeah. it's something that I haven't made a, a practice myself, but I'd like to. Um, but could you well, talk prayer, to us a little bit about yeah, prayer? I'll, I'll, prayer is extremely powerful, and, and today, in today's world, we, we don't realize that. You know, the expression they use, you know, prayer can move mountains, mm-hmm. and literally can. And at times I would go on my Facebook post and I would ask people to pray you know, for peace in the world, for, for different things that, that are happening. And when we do that, and when we pray with a pure heart, you you don't have to, you know, be kneeling down and, and, and say a whole load of prayers off. You could be driving your car, you could be sitting on a bus or on a train, you could be in your office, and all of a sudden the thought comes across your mind to pray. And that's your guardian angel to telling you, you know, that somewhere in the world, prayer is needed. Mm-hmm. And you should pray. And even if it is just one word, you know, sometimes the most powerful prayer can be, you know, a mother or a father. And I know that has been happening where horrific things have have happened in the world today and yes. are even happening at this moment when a father or a mother or a child cries out, you know, even the word help. And that's a prayer. Or they cry out, God help us, or why is this happening? Help, you know, in that in that way. It doesn't matter what way one prays. Prayer is prayer. And every time I see people in prayer, you know, I could be walking down the road and someone is walking the far side of the road and, and I know they're praying because I would see the only way I can describe it is like you can imagine Niagara Falls. I don't know if that's the biggest it's big. waterfall in, in the world. It's a big one for sure. You could imagine that being billions of times bigger and instead of coming down, it's going up because it's all angels. It's angels of prayer in enhancing our prayers, imploring, you know, for 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 the good thing that we're asking of it all possible. But we have to listen, and, and sometimes I would ask people to pray for particular leaders in the world, and sometimes I'd get back, how dare you ask, you know, <laughs> they're so bad, and I won't say other things they might say, right. or, you know, but they will never change if we don't pray for them. Mm. And I saw They your- won't stop and hesitate and listen. No and allow themselves to feel the compassion in their heart of what their guardian angel is, is saying unless we pray. I was I have been praying for Northern Ireland because we've had war here in Northern Ireland, you know, for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Now we have peace. But still the angels still keep asking me to keep on praying that peace remains in Northern Ireland because Northern Ireland is the cornerstone of peace for the world. Wow. And and that's one thing we have to remember. It doesn't it doesn't matter whether you agree with a government or a leader. Um, they won't change unless we pray. And that that's what happened one day. I remember you know hearing on the radio, and I just smiled with joy. And it was a man called Paisley, and he turned around to reporters or or. Um, whoever was there and he just said his words were we have to stop killing each other and that was the beginning that moment when peace started I know it took a long long time but it was the beginning mm-hmm. of the talks and and they have peace now and it's wonderful to be able to go up there and children can go to school and they know their mom and dad Will be at home. They wouldn't have got killed or shot or a bomb. Or and parents know that their child is going to come home from school as well. That mm-hmm. that they're not going to be blown up. It's just wonderful to see young people hop off a bus and go into the shopping centres now and everything like that. So prayer is extremely powerful. 
And it's so interesting because we just had a change in president in our country and uh, people, everybody has their own opinions, but a lot of people say, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. And I'm just thinking, you know, all the leaders in the world, if we remember that they have that spark, that they are a soul and that prayer does work, that is something we can do because we all want peace. We do. And I, I pray for your president, your new president now that's coming up. Um, Trump, I pray that somehow, no matter what everyone thinks of him, that somehow he will listen and he will make as many of the right decisions as possible. I know he'll probably make some wrong, but as many of the right that is possible for America and for the rest of the world. Mm. And I you too know, believe prayer does work. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 it, it does work and... Uh, no matter, you know, what ups and downs we have in our lives, just always remember you will get through them because of prayer, because someone else is praying for you, the stranger. I have people praying for the stranger, the people they don't know all over the world, and, and that's an important thing to remember, and to pray for, for our leaders of the world, whether they're presidents or governments or or princes or kings, we have to we have to pray for them that they will will listen and have compassion and love and make the the right decisions because we have to head towards a better peaceful world than what we have. Absolutely. And each one of us can make a difference there. A huge difference. Lorna, thank you. Our hour has gone by so quickly, as it always does. Well, uh, I was delighted to be talking with yes. you and all of your listeners. Oh, so yes. And thank I hope you. I'll meet many of them in New York when I get there. Oh, it's very exciting. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of listeners and I wouldn't doubt that you would. And But thank you for all that you do and even for being courageous enough to listen to the angels and share your story and to have a million plus uh, readers worldwide Um and give people hope and give people direction and love. And it's the biggest, most comforting thing, even though you've said a lot, is just to know that there's someone standing behind me or by my side, that each one of us has this guardian angel that loves us unconditionally. And uh, it, I'm it's number one. I love that. <laughs> wow. But um well, that's, that's Gosh. what you have to remember. Yeah, to have a partner, a teammate, it's just wonderful. So thank you. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, and for our listener, and, oh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. You. I would like to say Happy Christmas to oh, everyone, yes. and I ask for the new year to be full of great blessings for everyone as well. Yes, and seventeen, and all my love. Thank you so much. Uh, And for our listener, thank you, too, for being here, uh, wishing you happy holidays. Or you may be hearing this uh, sometime in the future, past 2016, 2017. But thank you for listening. And I want to remind you, all episodes are at wedontdieradio.com. This has been episode 130 with Lorna Byrne. And I have all of her links um, to her videos, her books, her website, um, and her Children's Foundation. even a prayer scroll that she has and in closing i took this off lorna's website um she has some pretty powerful messages from lorna that every person has a soul every person has a guardian angel god is real it doesn't matter what you believe or even if you believe in nothing there is always hope and prayer is powerful So in closing, I'm Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. 